Welcome back. Sorry, I was chatting. (laughs) (laughs) Surely not. Intuitive, enthusiastic, sparky, curious, quick thinkers, emotionally expressive. You you don't die wondering. (laughs) (laughs) There is part of me that is really loving taking on the challenge of training for a marathon as much as there's a part of me that goes, why don't I just stay at home in my slippers? (laughs) Getting out of the house on time has always been a nightmare for me and I'm very proud of getting here early today. Thank goodness I did because the parking was a nightmare. (laughs) It was a bit of, oh, why did I say that? Oh, God. And so I brought it up in the break as an example. And of course, Carrie. I said, yeah, well, I've just moved on. I completely forgotten about it. <laughs> and, and that's I, exactly the point. Yeah. And knowing that in reality, everybody else has moved on. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Hiya, and welcome to part two of Carrie's radio show where we answer that burning question of how the podcast came to life and delve further into our overview of ADHD for her listeners. That sort of brings us on nicely, really. (laughs) A sort of bit of a dodgy segue there, but (laughs) linking back to our podcast, The ADHD Connection. So what, because it was your idea, where did that come from? Well, I was just looking through my notes here and it says neurotypicals have... 65,000 thoughts a day. How they measure this, I have no idea. ADHD is up to 90,000 per day. And as you just said to me, well, one of those thoughts was, I'd love to have a podcast or start a podcast. I think Carrie and I share this desire to help people help themselves. And that's sort of the background of the podcast. But I was going to try to appear on a different podcast and that fell through, although it was looking promising. It didn't happen. And I was a bit down and I was having a coaching session with Carrie because we coached each other. And we got to the point where I said, well, I was sort of thinking of starting my own. And I could see there was a sort of look in her eye. (laughs) (laughs) So and we have these chats, whether we're coaching or not, we chat and we talk about all sorts of things. And the conversation sort of a bit like this one, basically, they meander around and they're always interesting. And I sort of looked at her and I said, do you want to be involved? (laughs) And you straight away sort of said, yeah. <laughs> and it took us a while to sort of figure out exactly what we wanted it to be because mm. we didn't want it to be... There, there are lots of people out there who do a brilliant job of giving information. Yes, and like Kate Maria. Like, yes, and so absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. facts and having experts on... Mm. Tracy Tsuka, Kristen Garda, all these people. Yes. They do a great job. Agreed. Absolutely. And there are brilliant books, as I said, mm. you know, um, mm. Scattered Minds, yeah. Ned Halliwell's, Ned Halliwell's work. Yes, there's, everything. There's yes. loads. yes. But I'm not very good at reading books because it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> I, I'm listening You're to too the, busy to read all that. Um, so I do listen to things on audiobook, um, mm. but I find reading a textbook very difficult and taking in information. You're much more uh, now sort I of never analytical used to be. Yes, than me. Absolutely. But we decided really that we wanted the premise of our podcast to be two ADHD coaches figuring it out together that was Carrie Stratline very good and I just went yes and and that's really what it is it is us talking about the things that we have found difficult and challenging that are because of our ADHD and and not coming up with answers necessarily although we generally come up with we work things out by the end of the episode by osmosis it seems to happen yeah miraculously um I was just remembering that originally I was, I, when it was just me, I was thinking creative connection because of my job and everything else. And I was thinking it'd be nice to have this 
hub for people for creativity because especially with lots of people working from home now post-covid and everything else and designers you need that bouncing offness and so I was thinking that's where it was and then when we started talking about it we realized that it was kind of bigger so we've ended up with connection back to Ned Halliwell he talks about connection being vitamin c so vitamin connection for ADHDs because it is just vital for us to feel connected and the buddy thing so for an ADHD, doing something on your own might feel turgid and boring and uh, wading through treacle. As soon as you do it with someone else, magically, oh, that's easy. So this is where it came from. And obviously it's our connection as well. Absolutely. And we've, we've sort of the three episodes that are out so far. The first one, we talk about the diagnosis process that we both went through. So similar to what we've talked about today, mm. but also things like shame Mm. shame can be huge for people with ADHD well for lots of people but for Mm. people with ADHD do you want to sort of talk a little bit about that oh it's what I call it the look so when Mm. especially when you're a kid or a teenager and you you're full of enthusiasm as we are and you bounce up to a group of friends and they're in mid-conversation and your enthusiasm gets the better of you and you blurt out something and then they sort of look at you and I call it the look I nearly said something else but the look and and then you think oh and you want the ground to open up and or you blurt out something without really quite thinking it through and it still happens now occasionally and you just want the ground (laughs) I did something this week you know about and and it's like oh why did I do that why didn't I think it through why didn't I stop Mm. absolutely and that shame can really affect how you think about yourself. Mm. So a lot of people that we both work with, mm. having ADHD has really affected their self-esteem yeah. and and possibly caused anxiety and things yeah. in adult life because yeah. they lack that confidence in themselves to have noticed things, heard things. They assume, you know, I, I know I spent years assuming that what I was going to say was somebody had probably already said it and I just hadn't been listening um, and those sorts of things. And all of that can really affect how you view yourself. Mm. Um, And as well as that, we talk in that first episode about the fear of being too much. (laughs) What's your experience of that? Well, that kind of ties in with what I was just saying in a way, Mm. because we are bouncy. A lot of, not not all, especially the hyperactive side or the combined. People are drawn to our energy if they're drawn to it. And I relate I think a story about when I was with one of my ex-partners and I'd have the experience of going on holiday and people would be sort of engaging with me and it would all be lovely but then after a little bit they seemed to like me to start with and then afterwards they'd sort of pull away and I'd think oh not all of them but some and she said well you know you're out there Nikki you you make an impression I can walk in somewhere nobody notices you because of the way you are and your energy people see you and some will love that. And the people who love it, love it. But the people who don't, they just don't. It's not for them. And so I've sort of learnt <clears throat> ish up to a point to be able to sort of pull back. And I suppose this leads into what we were talking about in the break about masking. Absolutely. So masking um, is something that a lot of people do when they're younger. You see it a lot with people who are on the autistic spectrum and girls seem to do it more than boys do and there's a thought around that that girls are more socially minded so girls 
this is a real generalization, care more about what people think about them than boys do. Uh, you know, that that's in its sort of crudest social mm. element. Well, boys are more about things they do together. Mm. If you put them in a room, the girls will engage with each other mm. and talk about their their families, whereas the boys will talk about the things they're doing, like the Lego or the Meccano or whatever yeah. it is. Sorry, that's very old-fashioned, yes. but you know. Yeah, and, and, and we realise those are real stereotypes. Totally. So everything we're saying is, is really generalised and mm. there are, of course, nuances and specifics within that. But... So, for example, I mean, I used to spend my life looking around me and thinking, how does this work in every given situation? And just copying. And that in its purest form can be what it is, just literally copying what other people are doing so that you get by. And we see it in schools a lot. And, you know, an astute teacher will notice that. Mm. Um, you, You will notice when there are children who are just watching and copying and and they and some children can be absolutely brilliant at it and it is very very hard to pick out but that masking can go into different so it's being possibly different when you're on your own and quiet to how you are when you're out in public you can have sort of different personas and we talk about that in in the podcast a lot how we've tried to evolve our own personalities and find out what our own personalities are separate to our ADHD and in fact the whole second episode which is called oh my god I am Barbie (laughs) um is about that it's that sort of personality inconsistency yeah we sort of touch on it in the first one and then Mm. expand in the second I say and and again that use of humor we we talk about and how being the class clown which some ADHD people can be is it masking? Is it a way of dealing with a situation and covering over real emotions? And adaptive. It's, See, I think it's yeah. adaptive. It, it can be adaptive. For me, it was adaptive mm. because I must have tried something one day when I moved schools again and I had a chance to start again. And that was that was how I dealt with it. And I must have said something funny one day that somebody thought was funny. And I thought, oh, that worked. I feel mm. part of the tribe. Mm. And then our third episode that's out at the moment is about the motor Mm. running out, you know, help my motors out of control. (laughs) Do you want to talk a bit more about the motor? Well, it was what we were talking earlier about that feeling of being driven. And this actually is in the the DSM-5. Incidentally, the other thing I was trying to think of was time blindness. We don't have a feeling for time as much and it can vary. So I'm very good at knowing how long a brochure will take to design and how long I've been doing it. But getting out of the house on time, and this is part of one of the things we talk about uh, on on a forthcoming episode, it just has always been a nightmare for me. And I'm very proud of getting here early today. Thank goodness I did, because the parking was a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, So, sorry, just to go back. What was the question? We were talking about the motor. The motor, yes. So the motor, well, because we've been away to the States recently and we both had to do lots of packing and organising and everything else, as well as our jobs and the podcast and everything else, it was that feeling that... uh, I've just got so much going on inside this little head. And uh, what am I going to do next? Oh, God. And we're talking about how it physically, you can feel that in your body. It's not just a mental feeling that actually our bodies start really Mm. responding to that feeling. And we we, we sort of, we really explore that. Mm. And and we're very honest, aren't we, in (laughs) the podcast about how how we feel and things that we find uncomfortable. Um, So have you had any feedback yet? Yes, and we're very proud to say that uh, so far we've had about 
6,200 downloads, which is mm, phenomenal, which is but we'd always like some more. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, mainly because we've, we've looked at it, apart from the just, you know, it's a precious shiny thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. It's a, we want to get it out there and it's the same sort of reasons that we coach. It falls in the same category. And so to get feedback, um, let me just look what we had this week. One of them was um, from a teacher who's saying autism and ADHD are massively underdiagnosed in girls and children and teens. And she said, I'll listen. Thank you. So that's the teacher talking. And this is one from somebody we both know who said, I am loving this, ladies. My husband's recently been diagnosed with ADHD and autism and everything that helps us unpick and understand it all is gratefully received right now. Thank you so much. And that, mm. that oh, I, I, this sort of tingly, yeah. slightly tearful feeling when I read that yeah. because that's, that's why we're doing it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and also for some people, we've had one review that said, you know, I've really loved listening to this podcast. There were so many things you were talking about that resonated with me. And does that mean that I have ADHD? Mm. And they mm. sort of, it's sort of affirmed things for them and made them start questioning being on their own journey. Yeah. So if you would like to listen to it, do you want to share where they can find it and what it's called? You can find it anywhere that shares podcasts, I think, pretty much. I mean, obviously, Apple or Spotify or YouTube, it's on now. Um, for some reason, Apple has decided it's the ADHD connection with Nikki Ship and Carrie Overton. So it'll it'll say that. That's not how we originally named it, but it's up there for that now. And there's a uh, there's a very um, jaunty logo yeah. which somebody somebody I know very well designed. Oh, oh that was me. Um, but no, that's that's up there. Yeah, with a pink and blue logo. So yes. if you if you are interested and want to find out a bit more and just hear us sort of discuss in detail the aspects of our own life, that is in there. So we're going to take a break now, and then after that, we're going to start looking at some of the strategies that you may find useful to use if you are experiencing ADHD or ADHD type symptoms. Welcome back. Sorry, I was chatting. <laughs> Surely not. Um, so, yeah, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We're having a special today on ADHD. Nikki, you were just saying something to I me. I was, yes. It was very interesting. I was going to give you a very hot off the press example of ADHD, RSD. So we were talking about it earlier. That's rejection sensitive. Rejection sensitive dysphoria, where emotional stuff is, is hard to deal with. It's tricky. So just before the break... My mouth sort of wandered off on its own and said something about the logo and, oh, who could have done that? And, oh, well, that'll be me. And it was meant as a jovial thing. It was meant to be a joke. And when it came out, my ears heard it as, oh, you're being big-headed. Why did you need to say that? And I looked at Carrie and she was busy doing something. And so I didn't get any feedback. So I thought, oh, I did mess that up. And even at my advanced age, with all my experience as a coach, I still went into a slight, a slight, was it a slight? Anyway, it was a bit of... Oh, why did I say that? Oh, God. And so I brought it up in the break as an example. And of course, Carrie. I said, yeah, well, I've just moved on. I completely forgotten about it. <laughs> and, and that's I, exactly the point. Yeah. That's exactly the point. Mm. That, that we will keep worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying yeah, and torturing ourselves. Whereas actually the other person's completely moved on exactly. and isn't thinking about it and at a, all. And as I've said to a client just, just in the last week, what if it's not about you? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and it's not because we're big-headed and self-centred. No. It's because we're worried about things. Yeah, absolutely. And the difference is I noticed it and I vocalised it and I've now owned it and now I can let it go. And that's what we learn and that's the power of coaching and stuff. Mm. And a good strategy to share actually there. Mm. So we were talking about some strategies that people can use, but actually before we go into that, 
I feel like we've focused a lot on the problematic mm. element of ADHD, the things that can cause difficulties. But there are many strengths Ooh. as well. Do you want to talk a bit about strengths? Yes. Well, I'm just looking down at my list. Um, oh, while I'm on, on the, the list, I have a list of ADHD characteristics and strengths and challenges. And if anybody'd like it, it's available through my website. Just just drop me an email through the website. Uh, Do you want to share your details? Oh yes, my website is nickyship.coach. So it's N I C K Y. So N for November I C K Y. Ship like a boat with two P's. S H I double P. Dot coach C O A C H. And if you'd like to go on there, there's um, a bit. If you scroll down the homepage, there's a bit saying if you'd like the ADHD list of characteristics and strengths, etc. Just drop me an email, and it will ping up if you click on it. And I'll be very delighted to send it to you. And it's it's got about 100 and something points on it. And it's not a diagnostic. But if you find that you resonate with the majority of things on there, then you can draw some conclusions and at least it will help you narrow things down a little bit. Obviously, it doesn't deal with all the other things they rule out when you have a proper diagnosis. But it's the sort of thing that I started looking at when I started on my journey. And it all comes from really good sources like Ned Halliwell and, and, and Gabba Mate and all the other people we've talked about. So, and I referenced some of those in the, in the thing. So it's a PDF if anybody would like it. So looking at the strengths. <laughs> you were talking about hunters and farmers. Oh, now hunters that's on and this. farmers. Can you explain what that means? There's a, a chap um, in 1997, I think my brain remembers, uh, a chap called Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M Hartman. I think it's double N. Um, he wrote a book that's got a long title, but bits of it say Hunters and Farmers. And his thesis, and it's it's completely just a made up thing, but it's it makes perfect sense to most of the ADHDs that I've ever mentioned this to, is that if you imagine 20,000 years ago on the African plains, the tribe would decide it was running out of food. So maybe five of them would go out at five o'clock in the morning, next morning, and they would be looking for some poor animal that was going to be lunch and so on. And they'd go out and they'd need to be very aware of distractions. So a twig snapping could mean lunch or it could mean their lunch. So another tribe would be trying to kill them or whatever. So they'd be very, very distractible. They would then find a group of animals. A couple of them would go around the other side, drive the animal towards the other two who'd have spears ready. And they'd have to go from wide focus to very focused. And one of our ADHD things is hyperfocus. We go well into hyperfocus. And so you go from wide focus to hyperfocus to get the spear into the animal at the right time. They then put it on the pole, take it home and skin it. And then they sort of wander about for a few days and they might go and pick some berries. But they're eating, they're fine. They do creative things with the skins. They make clothes. They paint the walls with lovely paintings, whatever they do. And I'm obviously minimising all the negativity of being a cave person. And then at some point they will go out again and because they run out of food and off they'll go and it's all very ad hoc. That, if you like, is the ADHD mind. Whiz forward to 10,000 years ago or whatever and suddenly farming comes in. And farming involves very broadly, as we're doing broadly things today, very broadly getting up at the same time to do with the weather every day, going out doing backbreaking work in the field. You're probably on your own, you're not with your buddies. You might have a horse if you're lucky, your buddy's in the next field. And, and then you come in when it gets dark and you eat your food and you go to bed. No, exhausted, no time for that. And that's the Industrial Revolution as well. And so the way life is set up is that is the way it's set up and it doesn't suit the ADHD mind. We want to be with people. We want to be creative. We want to feel free. There's an awful lot of entrepreneurs who are ADHD. Mm. Yeah, there's an interesting list of names in your list here of um, sort of famous people, Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein, 
Walt Disney. Yeah, amongst (laughs) others, Jamie Oliver. And I think that's the thing for, for people with ADHD, there is a need for novelty challenge movement Mm. but all of those things that are pluses can become challenges as well so that need for example for novelty we've talked about before about that I am only comfortable when I'm slightly out of my comfort zone Ah, yes um I like to take on new challenges even if I don't really have time to do them. So I'm training for a marathon at the moment. I don't really have time to do it. And I didn't really, I wasn't really sure I wanted to do it. I always said I never would. But then I love a challenge. So there is part of me that is really loving taking on the challenge of training for a marathon. As much as there's a part of me that goes, why don't I just stay at home in my slippers? Um, but I know that actually I wouldn't, I'd, I'd, well, I drive my family mad if I was staying at home <laughs> because I can't do that. I like to be yeah. really busy. Yes. But with that comes burnout. Yes. Um, and ADHD burnout is another experience that is shared by a lot of people, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And I think the thing about the strengths, again, back to Ned Halliwell and others, is that for every challenge there's a strength. So creativity, as, as Ned, would, Ned, as if I know him, uh, dear Ned, um, would say is creativity is distraction gone right. And I know from being a designer, it's like you're on your way to do one design. You think, oh, that's an idea. And I'll try mocking that up. And, you know, and then you suddenly think, oh, what's that? Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Let's go over there. And that's that's the creative side. Mm. And so every single one. So I've got a list here. We won't go through the whole lot, but um, innovative, daydreamers, flexible, entrepreneurial, great leaders, inspirational, risk takers. <laughs> so mm. a lot of ADHDs, especially boys, drive far too fast. Mm. You know, that's and I, I used to. Mm. Um, and uh, problem solvers, we look at things from a totally different point of view. Mm. Intuitive, enthusiastic, sparky, curious, quick thinkers. Emotionally expressive. You, know, you don't die wondering. <laughs> um, empathic, definitely empathic, uh, compassionate. Well, we learn to be compassionate because we've gone through a lot of stuff as a kid. Mm. And so you can see how, if you can see how somebody else is feeling, then it brings out the compassionate side of you. But all of those things can have, I mean, again, the thing with the list, some people say, well, I'm I'm not those things. And we can be them at different times in our mm. life. Um, and things like, risk-taking or being innovative can look like not being settled in a job. Mm. You know, lots of people that I've worked with and, you know, on um, forums for people with ADHD that I'm part of, people will talk repeatedly about, you know, I just don't finish anything. <laughs> the 95 percenters we yeah. are. That last 5% yeah. is so hard to get I don't done. finish anything. I can't stick to one job. Mm. I find mm. it hard to... That sort of stickability, which can be reframed as creativity and innovation, Mm. but in a more mundane, practical way can cause problems. Does that make sense? Those so so what I'm saying is is that strengths can also make things difficult for us if they're not used if they're not channeled. Yes. You know? So if you can find it's finding a situation or a or a scenario where you work in a job that has variety and creativity as part Mm. of it Mm. otherwise you might find that your need for creativity and variety looks like unable to stick at one job does that make sense it does but it's also i remember um nikki campbell on on five live he was talking the other day and he was saying because he's adhd and he was saying that he's in the 
perfect job for him. And that's how he manages to function so well because he's found the perfect job. And I would say same for me and possibly the same for you because I remember you saying that you've you've learnt to hone your structure through your job. Your, well, teaching. Your scaffolding. Yes, very, very much so. So teaching was a, is a, was a perfect job for me in some ways because it played to those areas of strength of creativity, innovation, excitement, interest, communication, <laughs> relationships, all of yeah. those things. I loved that about teaching, but it did not play at all to timekeeping, organisation, planning. That? You say that because when we were doing our course... You were much better at fitting it in a whole grow session as we used to have to do. It's a model for helping people with coaching. And we had to do it in 30 minutes, which mm. I found really difficult. And when we did it together, you were just plain sailing for you because well, you'd learned through the job. Yes, that, and that's what I was going to say. When yeah. I started teaching, mm. I found it really, really, really difficult. Mm. Um, and then through having a really good mentor when I first started who gave me a lot of... Mm. The time strategies that I've adapted and still sort of pretty much use now, that's where I feel I've learnt timekeeping. And, and, you know, 20 years of doing the job, you, mm. you get a feel for it. Mm. So, it, you know, it is, it is about, and that's what Nick and I work with when we're coaching people, is sort of finding, trying to find, and I guess this would be one strategy that I would give people is, mm know what your strengths are as well as your challenges and try and find spaces and places that you can use your strengths. Yes. And if you are in a place and a space that inhibits and causes you that restlessness, what flexibility do you have to move mm. into a different field or within your job, do something differently that will allow you to use your strengths? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, mention another podcast here. I was listening to the wonderful Mel Robbins podcast, no, no relation to Tony, another wonderful coach, and she's very vulnerable in it and doesn't have all the answers, as we don't. I like to think we're the same, that we're vulnerable in our, our podcast. And she's talking in her latest one that I was listening to this morning about happiness and how to find it. And one of the things that she brings up is if you're in a job that doesn't suit you, you know, and it's it sounds so obvious, but it's true, is that it's finding where you fit within and what fits you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so looking at Nikki's characteristics or learning about the having that diagnosis is on, all the list, of, yeah. on the list it's all about coming to terms that actually this is who I am right now I know that how am I going to approach it how am I going to deal with this how mm. am I going to live out being this person in the most successful way yeah. with this awareness of the things that I'm going to find difficult and work rounds yeah and it's also the avoiding the yes but and just give yourself half an hour to have a magic wand. What if I had a magic wand? What would I have? Yeah. What which job? Which job? Whatever yeah. it is. Sorry, yeah. I can see you. And we were saying it's spending that time, as we often say on the show, it's spending time really thinking about yourself, yeah. allowing time, yourself. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Right. We're going to have another song, some more adverts, and then we will get on to looking at strategies to deal with some of the common problems. So we're talking about strategies and, and I thought if we can touch on two of the main areas that we both work with people, um, help and supporting them in, um, one of them being emotional regulation. Now we touched on that <laughs> earlier 
what would you say you you referred to it a bit when you talked to yes uh, uh, it's earlier. my true life confession yes yes yeah um yes it's it's being aware that you're feeling something which might sound a bit daft but when you're in the midst of it it's it's tricky yeah so being aware of it letting it be acknowledging it rather than just trying to push it away feeling it in your body where is it in my body and and ask yourself silly questions or strange questions like what color is it and is it warm or is it cold? That sort of thing. And then you can identify how it feels. Mm. And it might be in your throat or whatever. Letting it be is the main thing because emotion wants to move. Emotion. So if, if you acknowledge it and let it be. Um, and then uh, breathing is always good. Mm. And then if you can, if it's, if it's appropriate. So I said to Carrie, because Carrie was here with me, I said to, I vocalised what the issue was and get it out of your head. Mm. So it could be that you feel you've upset somebody. Well, ask them. I know it sounds daft, but we're scared of rejection, but it's mm. better to, to deal with it. Um, even if you just write it down on a piece of paper or speak it into your phone, how you're feeling, or so it's going somewhere. Mm. Um, and then it should start to shift. Mm. Absolutely. And I would add to that about having an awareness of the story you're attaching mm, to it. Definitely. So the narrative you're telling yourself. So, yes. for example, using <laughs> your example, you, you, you made a joke about... Um, the design yeah. and felt bad. Yeah, but I felt like I was being coming over as being big headed, yes. or maybe I was being. So that's the narrative you yeah. started telling. Yeah. Everyone is Everyone's going to going think, to think this. I'm a big head. Yes, yes. absolutely. Or arrogant or, and, and, and keeping that narrative in check and keeping it in terms of. Of, of reality mm. and and knowing that in reality everybody else has moved on they don't care <laughs> <laughs> what if it's not about yes. me <laughs> yes people i mean i used to say this to children at school all the time you know people think about us a lot less than we think that they're thinking <laughs> yes, about or than us. we do about exactly. ourselves yes. exactly so before we finish the other strategies i think would be useful to go into is about organization so mm. people with adhd often struggle with because of that lack of internal structure going about organizing themselves yeah, would you like to absolutely because it's also fits in with the time blindness i mentioned earlier yeah so planning planning and and knowing where you are. some people can't visualize many adhds can't visualize the goal in the future, so when, when the report is done or whatever it is or the washing's done, whatever it happens to be, and they can't visualise the steps to getting there. Mm. Now, you and I can do that. Thanks, Mum, for training me when I was little, when I was 10. But that is definitely a major area. Mm. I would agree. And so it's looking at strategies of how to do that. And one thing that is recognised and recommended on any of the ADHD courses that I've been on is about... They call it salami slicing on some <laughs> some courses, but it's putting everything into the smallest possible chunks that chunks, you can do. Chunking down. Absolutely chunking down because even something like tidying the house can just seem, it's too abstract and it's too vast. Mm. So make it concrete. You know, what do I mean by tidying the house? Do I mean the whole house? Break it down into rooms, break it down into bits within that room you know or a drawer the, the kitchen yes, drawer absolutely <laughs> or if it's in the bathroom well I need to clean the loo I need mm. to you know clean out the bath or the shower mm. whatever it is because that is when it will help you start and it's starting that can often be a real difficulty totally. yeah. it, it's just having an entry point yeah. for things yeah and I think this linking back to shame, this can be where shame comes in oh, because yes. I remember not being able to do everyday tasks that 
were really basic. I should be able to do this. I should this. be able to do this. I should be able to organise doing the washing or whatever. <laughs> but the washing is a great example yeah. for a lot of people. It's, yeah. it's something they struggle with. So break it down and also ask yourself, what do I need to start? Mm. Have I, you know, what equipment will I need? Well, mm. I need washing powder and yeah. fabric conditioner and maybe a basket or something. Yeah. But, and a washing machine. Um, but, you know, making sure you've got that equipment and... All of these things take time. And I think it's that acceptance. I accept that to make my life functional, I have to give time mm. to organising and planning it. Mm. Um, you've got an interesting um, view on or, or suggestion and strategies about to-do lists. Oh, yeah. Well, if you have a... I have a client and she was saying she's got 17 things on... I asked her how many and she said 17 things on her to-do list for that day. In fact, it might even have been for that morning. And I said, so are you setting yourself up to fail there? Are you likely to get all those done? So she said, no. And I said, so is that setting yourself up to fail? And she said, well, I suppose it is. And I said, so what if you just had three things and you only ever had three things or five on your list? So what we've ended up or she's ended up doing is she has a brain dump book or sheet where she just puts everything on there that she knows she's got to do. And it could be small projects. She could be project-based, so you're allowed, I think, in, in some of these things, you're allowed five projects or six projects. And it could be a big project for work, or it could be cleaning the house, or it could be decluttering the house. That's a big project. But under that, you've got subsections. So you can be as overarching, or you can be as specific as you like in your brain dump page that you do every now and again. But on your to-do list for the day or for the morning, you have three things. Mm. And they are very, very small like very small so for me it might be ordering a supplement i did that this morning and you get a little dopamine hit which we haven't even touched on the dopamine but there's a dopamine issues with adhd so you don't have the reward system going neurotypicals would normally do a big job they call it eat the frog get it out of the way first thing that doesn't work so well for adhds so it's better if we do a couple of small jobs and then we get like the impetus and the dopamine going on that and then we can make some progress towards the bigger things it's not hard and fast but it's it's so the three things um, and then you were saying about then putting those. Mm, yeah. And sometimes I, I absolutely agree with you about having the sort of brain dump because, again, it's knowing that keeping everything in our heads is <laughs> is really challenging. Mm. So I write everything, mm. everything down. Um, and that's OK. And it's what we said about knowing yourself. If you know you have to do that, then that's OK. I know I need to do that. We have notes. <laughs> I have prompts. I have phone, my yes. phone, everything. Yes. But then I use a diary so that if I know, for example, going shopping, I have to go shopping to get food for my family. Well, I will look at my diary rather than put go shopping on my to-do list. I will actually think, well, when am I when am I going to do that? And I mm. really spend time working out when am I going to do that? When am I going to clean the house? Or when am I going to plan this radio show or edit it? And I make sure that I put those things into my mm. diary because if I just had it all on one big list, it would never, ever happen. Exactly. Never get round to it. Yes. So thank you, Nikki, so much for coming in this afternoon. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I've loved it. It's been an absolute whistle-stop tour of ADHD. <laughs> it's been great having you along. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on our ADHD journey. If you can spare a sec, a review or ranking would be hugely appreciated by us. Five stars would be marvellous, but whatever you think. Um, every single one really does help. As well as on your favourite app, you can find us on YouTube and Instagram at the ADHD Connection underscore podcast. So we hope to see you on there. Thanks again for listening and bye for now.